One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Katrina Smart, and you're listening to Conversations with Coco and Friends. Covering everything from life and relationships to being your own boss. Co-hosted by Cleo Ellis and Pilar Adams. Meaning, we have you covered from millennial to motherhood. We got you. Hello, everybody. Today on Conversations with Coco, we have a very special guest with us. Our go-to nutritionist and ultimate realist. If you want to keep it real, you got to talk to Lindsay. Some of you may recognize Lindsay Wolf's name from the blog because she is the co-certified fitness nutritionist with a black belt in dieting, wellness, and balance, if you can believe it. Ultimately, Lindsay's mission is to help women improve their relationship with food while achieving and maintaining their health and wellness goals. Reach. Her mantra is never start a diet that you can't maintain for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Let that shit sink in. <laughs> Applying her own experience of disordered eating and her extensive nutrition coaching, Lindsay helps women rediscover their love of food through loving themselves. Damn. <laughs> and let me tell you, she's been through it. You say it, she's tried it. We're really excited to have Lindsay here to share her perspective. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. So Lindsay was there for me through, I guess what we would call a weight loss journey, albeit don't love that phrase, but here we are. (laughs) Um, I lost about 50 pounds with her eating real food. And by real food, I literally mean pizza and pasta and drinking wine. Yes, that's who I am. (laughs) And not sacrificing everything. What the most important part for me in all of this was that I learned that you don't have to starve yourself to death. There's a place between eating a thousand calories a day and overindulging uh, that exists where you can eat what you want and not have to give up good things. Because I don't know about anybody else, but I like carbs and I like to drink and I like to (laughs) snack. And any diet or anything that involves deprivation for me is always going to be a failure 100% of the time. So, Lindsay. Let's talk. Can you tell us about yourself? All the good stuff. Give us your elevator pitch. So essentially, and I won't go into my story entirely, but essentially um, I struggled with disordered eating for about 10 years of my life. And it was only after, like Trina said, going through everything under the sun um, 
that I finally figured out what worked for me in terms of something that was sustainable and made sense because like you, Klee, I happen to love carbs and a bottle of wine like nobody's business. And so basically I took that, uh, all of my challenges and all of my struggles and like everybody else turned it into something beautiful and became a health and wellness coach. And I started coaching basically everybody, anybody who would let me coach them. But now over the course of recently becoming a mom of two under two, I've focused my journey and am now mainly supporting busy moms and women and helping them reignite their love for themselves and finding balance, like you said, if that's possible, within food so that they can not only feel incredible in their skin, but find something that works for them so that they can maintain it for the rest of their lives. So Lindsay, I've never actually had a one-on-one, you could say, with a nutritionist, but I am super passionate about the health and wellness space. So how do you go about... Consultation sounds so formal, but how do you go about like your meet and greets with leading people to a more healthy lifestyle? So for me, basically, I think the most important thing is finding a right fit because like Cleo touched upon too, it's really important that you find a diet or a lifestyle that's actually going to work for you. And I think that basically one of the bigger focuses that I have is finding people who aren't about that quick fix life and don't want to do juice cleanses Mm -hmm. and actually like eating carbs because if you have that quick fix mindset, we are right off the bat not going to be a good fit for each other because basically the fundamentals and the foundations of my program are long-term sustainability um, and making it work for you in your life. And so what I basically do is we sit down together and talk about their goals and mainly their challenges. And then I basically walk through my program and talk them through what they're going to be learning because the most interesting thing that I've learned over the course of my six years of coaching is that when it comes to losing weight, food is probably the least important thing about the whole process. Whether or not my clients are willing and able to dive in and do the deeper work that's needed to actually lose the weight and keep it off is one of the bigger, one of the bigger factors that I do in terms of choosing my clients. So Lindsay, you said a couple times the word diet, which I found more and more now through social media is kind of like the devil word. Like it's just such a, you don't totally. say diet in the world of body shaming in the world of um, fat phobia and understanding our bodies and loving them as they are. Um, what's your take on that? And explain to me why you use the word diet. And- so basically, and I totally appreciate that point too, because especially as a weight loss coach, I get so much shade in the industry <laughs> for using it all the time. But realistically, there's no, aside from using a word like nutrition mm-hmm. or eating habits, there's really no other way to encompass like how you're eating on a day to day. I think the word diet has been demonized because of all of the horrific plans and programs and restrictive things out there. Um, but I like to just use it as more of an all encompassing term. So how we're, how we're eating, what our approach to eating is. And I think that by applying it with that lens, it kind of almost helps undo the negative connotations because right. realistically there's, I mean, there are other ways, obviously, to say it, but I just want to be able to normalize it a little bit in a more healthy way, I think. So essentially, it's what you eat. Your diet is what you eat. It doesn't necessarily mean starvation, all of the Mm -hmm. other things that have been created as a result of 
capitalism and the internet. I think maybe we're, Pilar and I were talking about this earlier, like maybe even five years ago, everybody wanted to go on a diet, right? It was like cool. And now um, social media has kind of taken over these different roles in what we understand to be good and bad, depending on where you follow. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in the flat tummy tea world, a diet is very good. <laughs> but if you're not in that world, then um, a diet can be deemed as like you hate yourself. So, I mean, I know you have a, I, we've talked about this before, so I know you have a lot to say about um the body positivity world. And I don't know if we're going to go there, but I know Cleo has a question. That leads us so nicely into <laughs> our next question. <laughs> so, Linz, mm-hmm. do you think that we can be body positive while still wanting to lose weight? Absolutely. Oh. 100%. And I think the reason why I believe this is because I think it's like anything else in life. You, it's a constant pursuit of bettering yourself. It's, it's in the exact same vein that we all, you know, practice self-improvement and self-development. It's just wanting to constantly further yourself down, down the line or the road, I guess you could say in your life. And I don't necessarily think that, I think the thing is, is that body positivity as amazing as it is. Like, I think there's so many different ways to look at it because you can look from a media standpoint, it's been incredible because Mm -hmm. now we get to see so many different bodies that are beautiful in the world. But I also think too that body positivity doesn't also have to mean health negativity. Like, I think that there needs to be a focus on eating well and taking care of yourself and exercising. Because I think ultimately the way that I view body positivity is a lot of people see it as like your starting point. Like, you know, if you feel unhappy in your skin, you know, it's just like anything else with social media, you slap a cool slogan on it and everybody just like, you know, hashtags it and it just becomes a thing. But I think that ultimately it's the end goal where after taking care of yourself, nourishing your body, and, you know, exercising and fueling it the best way that ultimately that's where you get to when you actually feel a hundred percent beautiful and confident in your skin. And I don't necessarily believe that that's possible if you're eating like crap. I have to caution because I, I understand exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I also want to say that not all bodies that appear to be healthy because they're skinny or they have abs, that doesn't mean that they're healthy. Oh my God. Can we right? please talk exactly. about this? Can we oh please? Like, no, we absolutely. Like, and that's totally, no. And, and I think that also that's totally to fair. that point, if someone's like, let's say to the average 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight looking, that doesn't mean that they are eating unhealthy or not working out. Entirely. Right. Okay. No. And I a hundred percent agree. In fact, most of the women that I know that are, you know, quote unquote healthy or, you know, have the ideal body are the ones that are punishing their bodies more than anybody else. And so I think that it's, it is a fair point, which is why I just say from a general perspective, like if you, that's why I think it's the pursuit, like I'm all for health at any size. I think that ultimately your goal shouldn't necessarily be, again, I'm going to go off on like another, another tangent, but I feel like part of the problem is that, women always put the focus on their physical. Yeah. We mm-hmm. always put the focus on our physical. And so this used, you know, the, the skinny size, four size, six look used to be the beautiful thing. Now we're heading into this like 
um, age where there are so many different beautiful bodies out there. But again, the focus is still on the physical mm-hmm. and we're taking it away from the ultimate goal, which just should be health overall. Right. It shouldn't matter what you look like. Ultimately, we should all just be striving for health because, I mean, I don't know who said it better than she did, but Brene Brown has said, like, we are in an age where we are the most depressed, mm-hmm. in debt, obese society in the world. And it's all because of the fact that we are numbing so much. So I think that part of the thing, part of my frustration with body positivity is that it almost takes away from that numbing. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that the focus needs to be put back on, let's just be healthy as a society. Who cares? Especially for women. Like you never see guys sitting on the couch, laying in their Calvins, looking at whatever they're looking, you know, hashtagging body positivity. Like, Again, it's with the women, it's always the focus on how we look. And I think it needs to be taken away from that and brought back to what's most important, which is our health. The only problem is you can't take a picture of your gut lining. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think that people like need to talk about that. I think that's what it is. And we can link back. I'm going to shamelessly plug my blog post about this, but I'm a good example of that because my like, are these arbitrary like, lines in the sand that tell you like, what is a healthy body? Like the body mass index, my body mass index says I'm obese, like fuck off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not obese. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I mean, I haven't worked out in a little while, but you know what? That's neither here nor there. A bitch can still run. Like mm-hmm. we good. Mm-hmm. But that idea. And when people like up until let's say the last five years, people would look at me and see a fat person. And, and now it's changed because, you know, curvy, blah, 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 you know, big booty, et cetera, et cetera. But that's like a new phenomenon. And so teaching people through like your own existence and being okay with that, that like, mm, well, you're looking at something and making a judgment about that and about me and about like my health because you're just looking at me, but I'm going to crush you in the gym. I think we have to like talk about those things more Mm -hmm. and also learn to, like Lindsay said, to your point, be more comfortable in your own body mm-hmm. and be okay with that and not always be striving to be like skinny or whatever. Like we use those terms a lot. Like I want to be skinny and I'm like, mm, I don't, but being okay with that and comfortable with that in your own skin, but that's mm-hmm. hard because it's constant work all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the one of the things that I love most about my community in particular is when I talk to especially moms, none of them ever come to me and say, I want to be like, you know what I mean? I want to be 120 pounds. The thing that they want the most is to have enough energy for their kids Mm -hmm. is to be a good example for like healthy eating behaviors to make sure that they're nourishing themselves so that they're not passing down unhealthy habits to like, you know what I mean? Their own children. And so I think that having those things as markers of your goals and then your, you know, your ultimate success is what's most beautiful to me and what I do with the women that I work with. Okay. So Lindsay, you once told me your perspective on the lengths that people go to lose weight i.e. plastic surgery. (laughs) I want you to share them with the fam because I know we've all definitely felt the pressure to be skinnier or um, to feel good naked. And so, so does the world where there's this like massive pressure out there that, you know, you need abs, you need a booty, you need boobs. Um, But I need you to bring people back down to earth and just kind of like talk us through the whole game. Well, I mean, after being a weight loss coach for six years, there's so much that you see. Um, I've had so many clients that have had, you know, stomach stapling. They've done the liposuction. They've done, 
oh my God, I can't even, there's so many. And I think the, the challenge is, is having worked with them is that you know that it's a short term fix Mm -hmm. and that ultimately you're doing more damage to your body than good. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like I said before, I almost sound like a broken record, but if you can't sustain it, then you're just going to end up right back where you were. So, which is why, like we talked about before, like, you know, with the, with the word diet and everything, like most people think of a diet as something that's going to last, you know, it's something I just need to quote unquote, get through for the next three months until I lose the 20 pounds and then everything's going to be great. But if you can't sustain that, you're going to end up right back in square one, which is why I think that tackling those issues like your relationship with food, like your emotional eating, like how you, you know, whether or not you resort to food is something that helps you cope with stress or whatever in your life. I think that dealing with those things first um, is ultimately the the biggest thing because I've seen it before. I've seen, I've worked with women who've stapled their stomachs and then put on, you know, I've had clients who've been 300 pounds and stapled their stomachs and, you know, lost 150 pounds and then put back on, you know, the same 150 pounds again or gotten liposuction. And then like, there really is no quick fix to... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to weight loss or at least long-term sustainable weight loss, because ultimately there are things in your life that you've done that have gotten you there. And I'm not saying that, you know, everybody's out there crushing pizzas or drinking milkshakes or whatever. A lot of it is hormonal and there are so many different factors involved, but I think that you need to really do the deep hard work involved in order to be able to make um, your goals not only achievable, but sustainable. I think the interesting thing too, just to touch on the plastic surgery, because I know a number of people who've gotten liposuction and this is like a flag for anybody who's thinking about getting this because I think they don't tell you, like they don't explain this well enough that when you get lipo, you don't gain weight necessarily back in the place that you got lipo. But if you don't change your eating habits that caused you to gain weight in the first place, you will gain weight everywhere else. So like it can't, let's say you get it in your stomach, it won't go back there, but it will go to other places on your body. And that is a consequence that a number of people I know who've gotten it have been like, I didn't know that this would happen. And now they have blown up in these other parts of their body. And now they're like, do I get more lipo? Like, how do I fix this? Mm -hmm. And now it just creates like, um, like a cascade, yeah, like a cascade problem that was like an unintended consequence from that thing. 
Mm-hmm. So how would someone go about dealing with the core problem if we're talking about the core problem? Right. Oh, this is the age old question. Um, well, from my own experience with not only in my program, but having worked with so many women, I think it actually starts, you have to go right back to your childhood because a lot of the times that's where these habits start. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I had the most ferocious snacking habit at night that I just couldn't kick. And the more deeper that I dived into it over the course of, you know, my years of dealing with it, the more I realized that my mom used to give us snacks before bed all the time. We used to eat in front of the TV after dinner. We, you know, we used to have after dinner snacks in front of the television. And so that in my mind was comfort. Mm -hmm. And so after a long, hard day of coming home from work or whatever, that was my Mm go-to for making myself feel better. And so I think a lot of the times habits seem such like a a boring word, but you know, cause we use it so much, but I think a lot of the times it has to, you have to figure out where the areas are in your life that aren't serving you and then try to get to the genesis of when and when they started, why they started and why they're continuing. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you need to do the deeper work, um, of uncovering, you know, if you are numbing or, you know, what is going on? Because like I said before, like it's never about, you know, at the end of the day, you're not coming home, you're not diving into a bottle of wine because you had a hard day. Like the thing that you're avoiding is like having that difficult conversation with your boss at work or having that heart to heart with your husband about how you don't feel supported. Like these are the harder things that we need to do to give us that balance in our life because otherwise they're never ever going to escape us because we're just, even if you stop relying on food, you're going to just transition it to something else. Mm -hmm. A big one from you is um, eating everything on my plate. That was oh, the yeah. hardest thing for me to unlearn because the guilt of like, you have to finish what's on your plate, a plate that I didn't dish for myself, by the way, when you're a kid. And so learning to stop when I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat this. And then not feeling guilty about wasting the food. <sighs> Even to this day, I'm like, oh, I'm wasting. I'm take it home. Like I got to finish it. And it's super hard to undo that. Well, I think that that's the thing, the most interesting thing too about especially having worked with, you know, so many moms is that we have such a tendency to want to try to control our kids' eating behavior. Like I have so many moms that are like, oh, my kids are so picky or they won't eat dinner or they won't eat breakfast. And they're just trying to, you know, shove the food down their throat or, you know, just make sure that they're eating. And as a mom, I totally understand that pressure. But at the same time, you need to learn how to respect and honor your kids' hunger and fullness cues. If they're not hungry, like I always say to moms, like if my daughter Maddie isn't hungry, if she's, you know, if it's time to sit down and eat breakfast, if she doesn't want to eat breakfast, I'm not going to force her to, because she's not hungry. Yeah. And she's telling me that she's not hungry. And by me ignoring that and saying that, no, it's time to eat, then I'm not honoring how she feels. I mean, you just gave me like a major panic because Harlan, like, um, she loves a snack after dinner in front of the TV. I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing it all wrong. (laughs) No, not at all. But yeah, I mean, it, we, we talk about like, what are we also passing on to our kids? Like, well, in the moment, right? We're trying to be healthy and we're we're probably the most aware grouping generation of parents ever. Absolutely. But like also to the point of like absolute distraction, like, oh my God, you're never doing anything right. I feel like that could take us down a deep, dark hole (laughs) and food has just become such an outlet for everybody. But 
that shit cuts deep. Like mm-hmm. thinking about where it's actually come from and why you're choosing to go for what you're choosing in your pantry. We can all think about that a little bit more. Um, but moving on, I feel like there's this repeated stat that we hear so often of 80% diet and 20% in the gym. And I know it's cliche, but I want your perspective on the logic behind this. So the reason why, and I believe this as well, um, but the reason why they say it's 80% your diet and 20% the gym is, I mean, personally, if you just do the math, you're eating three times a day. You're faced with food three times a day, seven days a week, 365 a year. Like you are constantly faced with food choices. And so those are going to be the things that throw you under the bus far more than whether or not you go to the gym, you know, and the simple fact of the matter is, is you can't out train a bad diet that you can even if you go to the gym and if you were to spend, you know, two and three, two to three hours there doing I mean, God even knows what you could do, but (laughs) you know what I mean? If you were, if you're going to the gym, you know, if you're eating takeout every day and Uber eats and drinking your face off and having chocolate, like you're, you can't, you can't undo that, which is why I think it's most important to be able to get your diet, um, in check before you even begin to work out because your diet is always going to be the bit, like I said before, you're eating three days, like three times a day, seven days a week. So that to me, which is why I always start that off in my program, I actually don't even talk about training or workouts or anything in my program because I don't even think that you should tackle you know, any sort of heavier fitness as opposed to, you know, aside from getting, you know, typical 30 minutes of, you know, just walking or something a day. I don't even think that you should tackle it until you get the food under control because it is such a huge um, part of your weight loss journey and obviously your health for the rest of your life. We want to talk about metabolism because it's a word that we hear about so often. What do you feel about metabolism? Does it play into that? Go off, sis. So metabolism is obviously huge and you guys are going to hate this answer, but the problem with discussing metabolism is that it's so different for everybody so that it's hard to put a blanket statement like, oh yeah, well, she just, you just have a slow metabolism and she just has a faster metabolism and all these things because your metabolism is, is impacted by so many different aspects of your life, whether or not you're sleeping, your stress levels, like that's huge, um, how much you're eating, which is why the other reason why I always am such a huge advocate for women eating so much is the more that you restrict your diet, the more you actually slow down your metabolism. Because we have to remember the body is so smart. So just say, for example, if you're following a diet that consists of a thousand calories a day and you stay on that diet for a month, your body is actually going to start to adapt to eating strictly a thousand calories a day. So that means the moment that you go over those thousand calories, it's going to start to store that food as fat because it only knows how to process a thousand calories a day, which is why we want to make sure that our bodies are optimal, like being, are being fed the most food possible so that our metabolisms are constantly being fed and sped up and nurtured or nourished. And so I think that that's hugely important. But like I said before, there are so many different factors to metabolism. Um, so I think that 
basically one of the things that I would say that if you're concerned about your metabolism, you need to look at your food combinations. So what you're eating. So proteins, fats, carbohydrates, fiber, making sure you're getting in all of those. Um, definitely need to look at your stress because that is huge. That's going to slow down everything. It impacts your hormones and cortisol, as we know, is a huge, is the stress, um, hormone. And that if anybody's carrying extra weight around their stomach, that's where it's coming from. Um, and there's just so many different factors to it. So I think that it's hard to sort of pinpoint exactly why she's obviously able to, you know, crush an entire pizza and you're not. But I think that um, just making sure that you're keeping yourself healthy um, as much as possible and making sure that your metabolism is firing would be my best recommendation. And then further to that, like, so we're, we're talking about being healthy, we're talking about nutrients. Could you give us like kind of a snapshot of what it really means to nourish our bodies. Like you mentioned, fat, fiber, and all. Like what would a typical day of eating look like that would be healthy and nourishing? No, seriously. Like should half my plate be a spare? <laughs> Do tell, Liz. Not if you're going on a date. It definitely should be a spare. Not if you're sleeping over. <laughs> Not if you're having a sleepover. I would definitely avoid it then. Um... So basically, the fundamentals of what I teach are um, essentially making sure you're eating the right food combinations. So that means getting an ample amount of protein. Healthy lean protein is so important, um, especially in terms of your metabolism, because that's the it's essentially the building block of our body. Um, and then also getting healthy fats, getting healthy carbohydrates and watching your carbohydrates. And I'm going to get into that in a second. And then also ensuring that you're getting a lot of fiber. So a lot of good, healthy vegetables um, and fruit, but again, watching the carbohydrates. The only reason why I say watching the carbohydrates is not because I'm a fan of keto. I am not a fan of keto, <laughs> but the sheer fact of the matter is, is that we are a carb heavy society. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, a lot of us, it's the very first thing that we always rely to. It's the very mm -hmm. first thing that we crave. Mm -hmm. And so we tend to eat a lot more of it, which over time can impact so many things like your metabolism. Um, so we tend to eat a lot more carbohydrates than anything else. So when you have the right balance of proteins, fats, fiber, and carbohydrates, what you're doing is you're supporting your body um, with the correct nutrients so that it can metabolize the food properly, your gut is healthy with all of the, um, with having all of that fiber in there, and you're able to process it and eventually lose weight. The final thing we'd really like to end on, what does your body go through post-binge? Um, so I genuinely wonder, like, what is the physical impact felt and had like internally after an overload of like truffle mushroom pasta that we all love and a whole bottle of rosé because we've all been there. So the impact of a binge, well, I guess, like I said before, it's pretty dependent on who is binging. So if you're in a sort of binge restrict pattern, the impact of a binge could be pretty significant in that you're likely going to be storing a lot of that food as fat. If you're, one of my colleagues actually refers to it as metabolic insurance, and I think that this is beautiful. So if you consider, if you're eating healthy realistically, and by healthy, I mean, you know, making sure that you're getting all the right food combinations, eating an ample amount of food to support support your body. Um, if you're eating it every single day, if you think of that as a straight line, then there's obviously going to be curves within that line. So some days you're going to go above and other days you're going to go below. And so like, you know, 
Thanksgiving, Christmas, you're going to go above. A couple of days, you're going to go below. But overall, your body is going to be maintaining that equilibrium. So a binge won't actually impact you as much as people think it will. Like for example, and this is like, I hate to throw out this number because it's obviously like debated, but if you think about it, the average person needs to consume at least 3,500 calories over and above what they should be regular, their maintenance level um, caloric intake, which I mean, there's so much science I could get into that forever, but we'll just say so. For example, we'll take a 150 pound person. They could possibly eat between 1,800 to 2,000 calories and just maintain their body healthfully. If you consider the fact that they then need to eat 3,500 calories over that, just to put on one pound of fat, that's a lot of food, guys. That is a lot of food. And so I think that that's the thing that we tend to sort of worry about is, you know, we're, we always think like, you know, one bad night is going to do us in. And the worst part is, is then, you know, for the next week following that, we're restricting, we're hitting the gym, we're doing hours of cardio, trying to undo this like horrible, eating experience or whatever that we, well, it probably was lovely. That sounds like a (laughs) lovely meal to me, but you know, we spend all this time trying to undo it. But in reality, if you sort of have that metabolic insurance where you're eating healthfully regularly and you're maintaining your body and getting in the proper nutrients, that's going to be a blip on the radar. It's not even going to impact you. Lindsay, I wish we could continue, but it has been real. Seriously, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you for coming. It's hard to, um, in this world, I find there's so much pressure um, with that comes from something that's self-directed like Instagram, where we search for things or we have this feed that's that's given to us. But it it's such a breath of fresh air to I like I love following you on Instagram, just the, the realness and the reality that it doesn't have to be so hard. And that we are making choices to make it more difficult, but we can make it, we can simplify our lives and have good relationships with food and our bodies and health and wellness if we kind of let all the madness go away. Absolutely. Work on it. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. It was awesome as always. So you can follow Lindsay um, at The Nourish Company on Instagram. Uh, for all the real facts and info. And you know where to find us, Co's, at Coco and Co, C-O-W-E, on the gram and all other social platforms. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.